you please just to bow your heads and uh, just take a moment of quiet before the Lord. Draw your mind as we consider the incarnation, the birth of Christ. May your heart be warmed and just be still. Father in heaven, we come this morning to join the angels to sing glory to the newborn king. We know him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Emmanuel, Jesus, our savior, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Lord. The great news is that your rule upon the earth came in him and defeated sin and death so that all who would believe in him would have peace with you, sins forgiven, accepted by you as your children to live under your rule, to honor you as yours. We praise you because in his coming he made peace through the blood of his cross, taking the penalty for our sin, exhausting your wrath. And now he rules over that peace so that nothing can separate us from the love that you have for us. And all of this was that you might be glorified, that you might be magnified over all the earth through the coming of your son and the salvation of your people. We know, God, that we're to live for your glory, that is, to honor you with our thoughts, our words, our behavior, our lives. And, Father, we acknowledge that we've failed at this. It's been our desire, at least at times, but we confess that we've followed other gods, the God of our own pleasure, of our own wisdom, of our own honor, of our own power. We're to live at peace with one another, God, and yet we know By our very thoughts and actions, we have not. We are to live trusting you and thus be at peace, but we worry and fret. Forgive us, we pray. Make us so sensitive to you and all that brings you glory that when you're not honored, then we are distressed. Cause us to follow you, God, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as you have loved us. And may this be true, even as we cast our eyes upon you to worship you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our call to worship from Isaiah chapter 9 is responsive. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
seated. Again, let me say welcome to you. Um, Though this is Christmas Day, the most important thing we will do today is what we're doing right now, uh, because this is Sunday, and Sunday trumps, as we say, every other day, and every other thing is trumped by gathering to worship, and so so here we are. And to the kids who are here, way to go. Way to go. This is great. Um, I know you have to break from all the stuff and all of that, but it's a good, I hope, picture for all of us, but for you kids especially. But that's what we do all the time. We break from stuff and we seek the Lord. And so you've broken, you'll get back to your stuff. But when you get back to your stuff, you know who to thank. And you know who it is who has blessed you. So, so we're blessed by, by being uh, together. Just a word about next Sunday. We'll gather again at 10. The only difference is that uh, we'll have child care next Sunday. So uh, if nursery through preschool. I don't think we do the Connect class next week. But nursery through preschool during the service. So one service next Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock uh, as this one. And you'll see what, what we're doing this morning given... The way we've gathered with everyone is that uh, rather than one longer sermon and all of that, the normal liturgy, uh, today uh, we'll have just three lessons, small ones, short ones, I trust, uh, and then we'll sing in between, and that will, uh, I believe, be a blessing to us. Um, So as we begin with this first text, let me ask you to pray with me. Uh, Father, now we come to your word uh, and... uh, We pray over these three lessons that you will help us and that um, we'll know that Christ has come. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first lesson is Galatians in chapter 4. If you have a Bible or something to turn to that has the Bible in it, uh, let me ask you to do that. Galatians in chapter 4. I want to begin uh, with verse 4 and read through verse uh, 7. Our response to the reading of each text I will say the word of the Lord and you'll respond. Thanks be to God. Galatians in chapter 4, please, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son and if a son, then an heir through God. I want just to, for us to take our Advent um, response, Christ has come, Christ is coming again, hallelujah, and just think that through this morning. Thus, this first time together, Christ 
has come. We don't know the date, obviously, when uh, Jesus was born. We've chosen, or it was chosen for us, December 25th, not for any historical accuracy at all. This is a day that's set aside for various and sundry reasons, I suppose. But, but here, this is the day that we gather and we think about the incarnation. We could have chosen, someone could have chosen, and the church could have picked up any year. We just simply don't know uh, the exact date. Uh, in God's calendar, the month was called fullness. It was in the fullness of time that he came. Now, the reason that he came, we know was because at creation, the enemy came and stole the hearts of the crown of God's creation, human beings. And he did that by way of our first parents, Adam and Eve, when Adam sinned. We know that. Their hearts were enslaved. The question at that time in the history brief of the world as it was, what would God do? His name had been profaned. Justice demanded something. Uh, but God, in the midst of that, you remember, made a promise first. And the promise was, in essence, that he would redeem. Uh, Paul picks that promise up here in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So, so God would send one, and the way it was worded in Genesis chapter 3, you remember, is that he would crush, really, we could translate that. He could crush, he would crush the head of the enemy. He would stolen the hearts of his people. Destroy it, this enemy. Destroy him so that his people would be redeemed. He would buy them, buy them back. One would come through the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent even though his heel would be bruised. So when we see that promise was in place, the question, is it really true? Is that promise really true? So as we, as, as we look throughout history, we see, well, well, things got worse rather than better, so much worse that God had to bring a flood and, and destroy everything in a sense except this one family, the family of Noah, upon whom his grace, God's grace, uh, had come. And so we see this judgment, but, but we realize at that point in time that the head of the serpent hadn't been crushed. So now what? Well, he brings this man Abraham, who becomes Abraham, makes promises to him, and then the promises are wondrous, especially he just sort of pulls this guy out, chooses him for this role in history to bless his people, to bless his descendants, and one from his seed would come, and one from his seed then would bless all of the nations, all of the families of the earth. That's the setup here in this promise. And the question is, would that promise be fulfilled? And so what we see then is that God gives us a picture of all of this. For his people end up in Egypt enslaved. And he sends a deliverer named Moses. And through Moses, and God's power obviously, through Moses, these people would be delivered from their enslavement. And they would come to a mountain called Sinai. They would receive a law that would become a nation. They would become a people whose king was to be there, was to be God. And, and, and this was to be a picture for us of this deliverance that was to come. This buying back, this freeing from slavery. And for God to have a people of his own possession. And he would give them a law that would, they would obey 
and he would live among them. And we say, well, how could he live among them? How could a holy God live among a holy, uh, an unholy people? Well, he would give them a priest and priests to represent them before God. He would provide for them a sacrifice to be a substitute. So rather than pouring his wrath upon them, he would take it out on this substitute, these animals. He would give them a king to govern them in his stead. He would give them prophets so that God could speak to his people. But but in the midst of that still, the head of the serpent wasn't crushed. But the prophets would come and the prophets would speak of one who would come. And this one who would come would redeem. He'd be the one who would crush the head of the serpent. And, and he, would be, he would be such, you see, that his work would be such that through him the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And, and through him there would be a new heavens and a new earth. Because through him there would be peace, real peace among the nations. That they would, they would take their swords... Right, And they would make them into plowshares. That is, they would take all the implements of war and hostility and use them in such a way to be a blessing to people. They wouldn't study war anymore because they wouldn't need to study war anymore. There would be no more distress. There would be no more hostility. There would be no more crying. There would be no more death. That all of life would reflect God. That's the sense. And the prophets brought that word. And it would come through one who would crush the head of the serpent by taking our iniquity upon him. He would be crushed and in his crushing, the enemy would be destroyed. But, but when would this come? Well, it, God said it is so important that he would send a forerunner just so that we would know. And, and, and learning that, we're on pins and needles waiting for this forerunner to come, waiting for this one to be announced. And, and then there was silence for hundreds of years. For 400 years, there's silence, you see. And, and, and then, this odd man, John the Baptist, he, he comes and he begins to announce the one who is to come. And then there's a visitation of an angel to a virgin woman and telling her the child that she has within her is of the Holy Spirit and he will be the son of the Most High and he will sit on David's throne forever. Indeed, he will be the very son of God. And the one who would become her husband was told that you're to name him Jesus because he's coming to do something specific which is to save his people from their sins. Then... There's silence again for a little while. We don't hear much about this family at all. There's a glimpse of this little boy with, with priests in, in the temple confounding them. But, but then there's nothing after that for the longest time. And, and then, yes, a forerunner comes and he begins to announce this one who is to come. And he is there, this Jesus. And then he dies. But in the mystery of his death, what happens is that he crushes the head of the serpent. And how do we know that? We know that because he rises. And when he rises, he announces it. And he said, I've conquered sin and death. See, I'm here. And I conquered sin and death on your behalf. On behalf of all who would believe in me. And, and you begin to think at that point in time, well, this must be it, right? This must be it. The glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There'll be no more war. There'll be peace. There'll be no more death. And then he ascends. And as he ascends, you see, he rules and reigns 
But here we are. There's a sense of it, right? We, we know sin's forgiven. Lives of believers are reoriented to God. Rather than being hostile towards Him, to love Him. And we know we belong to Him and we have great peace within about that. But still, as we look around us, we realize there still is yet more to come. Uh, let me ask you please to stand together and for us to sing how deep the Father's love for us.